I hope you all had a great weekend. Everybody had a great, I had a great weekend. Let me tell you a couple things that happened. Number one, I had to. It's payback time. One, a certain human being uh, called uh, 911 five times. And then the police were on the way. And uh, fortunately, his brother told him, told on him, so we could call the police and tell him not to come. <laughs> That was the first thing that happened. Second thing, I was not too, I thought that was pretty good. Like, yeah, come on. I'm glad the cops didn't show, but, you know. Second thing was, though, it was a little irritating to me, was uh, Saturday morning, uh, I rolled over looking at my clock, and it said it was 6 o'clock. Oh, it's time to get up. So I got up and, you know, did what I do, stretch, you know, all the things you do when you get my age, you have to get up and stretch, and, you know. And I was having my coffee, and I noticed the clock. It was 5 o'clock. <laughs> I had set my clock. <laughs> At that moment, I wasn't really happy. Was like, I'm going to kill him. Of course, the last thing was, he was in the bathroom talking to his cousin, and he, uh, everywhere his cousin moved, he moved, and so he peed all over the wall and the floor. And... So that was a great weekend with one of my grandsons. He's a great guy. Yes, he is. Kids are great, man. As long as you don't have to go back and clean up behind them, right? Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the Gospel of John this morning. How many people, is that your favorite Gospel? Raise your hand. Anybody? Well, I think it's everybody's favorite Gospel. Yeah, I love it. I love all of them today, but let me tell you a few things about the Gospel of John, okay? And really, the reason I'm doing this is really, is I feel uh, the Lord, the Gospels are on the Lord's heart. They always are, but there's a time when God's speaking something. And God is inviting us. Uh, I probably, I did say this, I know I did, but I'm going to say it one more time. Is, you know, the love of God will transform your life like nothing else. I mean, there, there is power in love. That, you know, there really is. And love is a power. Um, but there's also the compassion of the Lord, right? Which is love in action. And that's really what the Gospels reveal to us. They reveal God's love doing something. And we've, it's, it's done something to us. It's changed us. It's revived us. It's made us different people. It's healed us. And God wants to do that for a lot of people. He wants to do it for the whole world, actually. He said that. He loved the whole world. So I I feel like just for us believers, I feel the Gospels are transforming just for us. I feel like they, I have felt a power, like, you know, the power of the great commandment. We've experienced that power. Many of us have over and over and over. And we'll continue for the rest of our life experiencing that power. I never want to quit experiencing God's love and, and being just saturated and being transformed by it. But also feeling this power in the Gospels. There's a, there's a, different, it's a different anointing. There's a different power. There's a different manifestation of God. It's really all the same. But it's a different way that He can actually impact your heart and change you and change things in you and deliver you. And that's so. That's reason I wanted to share a few, you know, weeks about this. Um, are y'all good? Yeah. Um, then, I don't try not to say. Um, oh, I did this terrible thing. Let me tell you one more terrible thing I did. <laughs> don't ever do this. Okay, I was uh, trying to remember. I can't remember if I did this message. Okay, uh, that's sad, isn't it? I'm always blaming y'all for not listening to me. I can't I don't even listen to myself. Uh, so I thought, oh, I've got to go back and find out. And I was going, I went on our website. Thank you, Lord, for Tony Baker. I was going through these messages, trying to figure out, looking through, did I do this message? And so I saw one, like, perhaps that may be the one. So unfortunately, I started listening to that. And the more I listened, the more discouraged I got. Everything I did wrong in it, I was thinking about all my little words I use I shouldn't use, all the hesitation I have. I was like, man, I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> that was just a terrible message. Uh, listen to yourself is painful. It is very painful. Yeah, in fact, at that point, I thought, I'm, quit. I'm, need a, I'm going to 
get my resume. Can I do something else? I'm, not, I'm definitely being disqualified from doing it. In fact, this is the 100% truth. I am shocked that I am doing this. I'm, I'm really, I'm being serious with you. I'm shocked. I'm the last person, you know, on the list to be doing this. So if God does something, if you get, if you hear the Lord, if something happens in your life or something I happen to do or say, I promise you it's not me. It's, it's all God. I mean, it's just, I just happen to be participating with him. Hey, look who's here. Let's welcome her back. Everybody, Angel, stand up. She just got back from Africa and gone for weeks. In fact, we were wondering if she was moving up there. So. <laughs> All right, so let me just tell you a few things about the gospel, John. And I'm going to tell you this one specific thing, uh, you know, that will help you. Uh, so first, uh, which I think is kind of important, the gospel of John can be divided up into two parts, okay? There's the miraculous signs part. That's Gospel of John chapter 1 through 12 where the signs or miracles of Jesus are really the, the focus of what they're doing. And then from chapter 13 all the way to, to the end is, the, is what they call the glory or the passion of Christ. Okay, so those are that's how it's divided, the book's divided up. So when you read it, it's like reading almost like two, two accounts. One is miracles. And they call them signs in there because signs are meant to point us to something. And that was really what John was trying to do. He was trying to point us in a direction when he talked about Jesus' miracles. Jesus did actually, that's recorded, there's many more. There was 37 miracles that Jesus did that are recorded in the four Gospels. 37 miracles. The Gospel of John actually has eight of those miracles. A lot of uh, people would say seven, but if you actually go and count them, there's eight. I don't know where they, I do know where they're getting the seven from. The eighth one is from Jesus uh, when after he was resurrected, the miraculous catch of fish. So they don't count that one because he was already resurrected, but still Jesus did that. So let me just tell you what those miracles are. Uh, the first one is one of the most famous is he turned water into wine. Amen. Then he healed a government official's son. That's uh, John 4. He healed the man. Remember the man? who was paralyzed, okay, laying by the, the, the hospital, the ancient hospital, everybody was laying there, and Jesus raised him up. Uh, that's in John 5. And then he fed 5,000. John 6, he was busy. He fed 5,000 people in John 6. And then he wound up walking on the water in John 6. Uh, then he healed the man born blind. one of the most famous healings uh, of a blind person in the Bible, uh, John chapter 9. The whole chapter is pretty much about that healing. And then, of course, the most famous of all resurrections besides the Lord himself was whose? Lazarus, John 11. And then, of course, the miraculous catch of 153 fish in John 21. So that's really what the first part, the first 12 chapters of the Bible of the Gospel of John, is where he, he talks a lot about those miracles and the events around those miracles. And each one of them is trying to get us to see something about Jesus Christ. They all had a specific thing, and he picked out those ones to let us know. He could have picked many of them, but he chose those to really reveal things about Jesus. Um, the second part of the of John is John, uh, you know, the chapter thirteen on, and so, and this is really amazing. John chapter thirteen, starting John thirteen to John seventeen, is the event, is, is the conversation that happened at the Last Supper. Okay, it's one of the, it's, it's been called the Holy of Holies of the New Testament. Because it's Jesus, if you want to know what was on his heart, you know, I've often said, if you had 24 hours to live, okay, what would you tell the people that you were closest to and that you loved the most? You would want to tell them the things that were most dear to your heart, right? You would want them to know the things that were most vitally important to you. And that's what's actually recorded, starting in John chapter 13. It starts with him talking, washing their feet and asking them to become like a servant. And it ends with him praying what we call the high priestly prayer. And then in John 18, the whole situation begins where he's arrested, brought before Pilate, you know, and all that stuff. 
So that's really such a powerful, those are powerful chapters in the Bible. I've all said, you know, if I was, you know, if something happened where they said you can have a few pages out of the Bible, that's it. And you can never have any more for the rest of your life. Those would be the pages I personally would take. Because I, I feel like they reveal the intimate heart of Jesus. They really reveal what Jesus feels, what Jesus thinks about some of the most powerful things that we'll ever, that we'll ever know. I mean, it is jam-packed with, with revelation from the heart of the Lord about who he is and what he desires for humanity, what, for each one of us. So I, I just really love, love that. Another thing in the Gospel of John is it, there's these I am statements. Uh, remember in the Old Testament when, when Moses, when the Lord called Moses to um, take, there I went, I went, um. I didn't even notice. The Lord spoke to, to Moses and said, you know, I'm sending you to Israel to deliver them from Egypt. And that goes through this big deal. And one of the things Moses wanted to know is, well, okay, you want me to go do this. Who am I going to tell them sent me to do this? In other words, I can't just go on my own. I've got to tell them who you are. And, and God gave one of the most, in my mind, ridiculous answers in the world. Just tell them, I am. Have you ever thought about that? I am. I am what? Right? I am. I am that I am. Just tell them that. That's all God tells them. The beautiful thing about it is God didn't leave us with just that. In the Gospel of John, John has seven I am statements where Jesus begins to fill in the blanks of I am. He began to reveal the Father. He began to reveal God. And I think that's just an amazing thing. Here's, here, here they are. One is I am the bread of life. Number two, I am the light of the world. Number three, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Those are all the I am statements in there. Think about it like this. You know, sometimes, you know, we say, we're asked a question. Who are you? Uh, you know, in certain situations, you, I could say, well, I am Becky's husband, right? That gives me some sort of identity because maybe the person knew Becky or maybe has more esteem than me. Therefore, I kind of, yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> it's true. So I can kind of fit in. That sort of helps me. That kind of gives me some sort of identity. Or, you know, you could say I am a plumber. Uh, you know, I am a doctor. I am, you know, that really sort of describes what you do, but it's a part of your identity. It's a part of who you are. If we would say to somebody, who are you? I am a follower of Christ. That would really be setting apart our identity, right? And so really what, what John was trying to do there is really set apart God's identity about who God is and what God does and how God feels about people. And, and if you think about it, they're all really very beautiful Things that are directed towards us, directed to help us, directed to bring us into his heart and into his mind. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? All that's in that one book. I mean, it's just crazy how much revelation's in here. Here's some of the key words. Uh, obviously, love is, right? It appears 57 times. Love's a big word. Light is another big word, 30 times. That's a really powerful word in the Gospel of John is light. Truth appears 22 times. And guess what the most repeated word in there is? is belief. Belief. See, that was really one of John's, he even says at the end, his purpose was, I want you to believe. I want you to believe this person is the Christ. I want you to believe this person is the Son of God. That was his whole, he even said that at the end of the book, that, that his purpose was to get us to believe something. Everything he wrote was about getting us to believe something. Here's another amazing fact. A lot of people would probably be shocked about this. John talks about sin in there more than any other gospel writers. In fact, he talks about sin more than Matthew and Mark do together. That's surprising, isn't it? Especially since we would we tend to think of John as the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? We would tend to think more that John is more about love and not about sin. But he talks about sin. In fact, his great commission has to do with sin. When he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. 
And then he talks about forgiving. Whoever sins you forgive, I forgive. See, his whole great commission was tied in to the issue of sin. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's important because really, you know, I think there's been times when, well, okay, let me just say it like this. We need to be able to learn how to talk about sin the way John talked about sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sin needs to be discussed. Sin needs to be talked about. We can't just brush it aside and say we don't talk about sin because, you know, that's been an accusation against the church. Right or wrong, I don't know for sure. But I do believe if, if, if John the Apostle talked about sin, we need to talk about sin. We just need to learn how to talk about it like he talks about it. Because I think a lot of the problem, I, I think a lot of the problem, y'all, about the sin thing and, and the preaching about sin is because it's been preached in a bad way. Amen. It's been preached in a condemning way. Amen. Okay, and it's been pre- and people being preached down to about their sins, and I don't think that you don't you don't find that in the Gospel of John. You don't find Jesus doing that. Okay, so what their whole point was about the sin was it's destroying you. It's destroying you. Sin is a destructive power, and there's a way to get out from under the destruction of sin. And so I think we really need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to do that. And where we can where we can talk about sin and, and most people wouldn't even realize we were talking about sin a lot because we were able to talk about it the way it was talked about in the Gospel of John. I, I think there's just a, an anointing for that that God wants to release, especially if we're talking about the harvest. Um, you know, you know, one thing I've always felt about uh, people, especially people who come to church, uh, and, and I think people in the world too, is we already we all know we're messed up, right? Amen. I don't need somebody to tell me how bad I am. Right? I mean, I know how bad I am. I know how bad I am more than you know how bad I am. And everyone else in this room are like it. We all know our darkness. We all know our faults. You know, so we don't need people hammering on us about that. We need people to encourage us to be able to overcome those faults. We need people to tell us, I can help you get out of that. I can help get you out of your darkness. I can help you get you get you out of your sin. Instead of pounding people about it and telling them they need to repent, well, they know they do. Or they're, or they're crazy, one. So I think that's really, really terrible. Y'all good? So, whoo, mercy Lord. We need to learn how to talk about sin. So now I'm going to read some scriptures from John just to make this an official message. <laughs> Give Denise something to do. Yeah. I want to talk to you, uh, read this at the beginning. It's John chapter 1, verse 36 through 39. Uh, I'll tell you some, some stories from this in my own life. This is when Jesus first appeared on the scene. And it says, uh, you know, after John the Baptist had declared him, it says, As Jesus walked by, John looked at him, this is John the Baptist, and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Those two disciples were John, the beloved, and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, right? That's, those are the two. Jesus looked around and saw them following them, and he asked the questions, what do you want? Okay, so that's a really important question, right? What do you want? What are you looking for? What are you, what are you after in life? And that was really what his real question was. And so I want to just take this really a moment here about that question because everybody in this room is looking for something. We're all wanting something. We're all wanting something with our life. We're wanting, I mean, there's different areas of our life that we want something, but we all want, you know, y'all heard of Maslow's? Hierarchy of needs. Yeah, hierarchy of things. You know, the basic needs of every human, human being. Every human being needs to be loved. Every human being needs security. They need basic needs. Every human being needs to be esteemed. Every, every, you know, all those things are true. We all have these these needs in our life that, that God created us with. And I'm gonna tell you something. This is what I really believe. This business of saying God is enough is a big lie from hell. Because God is not enough. Right from the beginning, God just set that thing up. Right from Genesis, he set up the thing that says, I'm not going to be enough for you. I created you to have a need for these other people. 
Right? Because right. he looked at Adam and said, this is not a good thing for him not to have somebody else. You hear what I'm saying to you? So religion wants to give you a, an answer. God's enough. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? All I need is God. We've seen all I need is you, Lord. It's beautiful to sing. But the truth is, that's not, that's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches God created us for relationships with other human beings. And when we cut ourselves off on that and think it's just going to be us and God, then we've made a terrible mistake with our life. Okay? And I've even heard people preach that like this. Well, what do you want? They're looking for something else besides, besides God. And we're all looking for something else besides God, if you'll be honest with us. Now, I, I do think this. We need to, the things we're, need, that we're looking for, we need to find them in God. We need to find them in Christ. Not outside of Christ. Because if you go outside of Christ and start looking for stuff, you go outside the kingdom, it's going to be not going to be good for you. It's going to be bad for you. So I think one of the things we need to do in our hearts is get real with the Lord about these things. You know, young men, young women have this thing they're looking for. And it's a relationship. It's another person. It's a man or a woman to be married to and create a family. See, all that's from the Lord. All that's from God. Uh, God's put it into to men, men especially, and I think to women to some another degree, but to to uh, to provide for the home and, and create a home and go out and work and do that. He's put that in men. I'll tell you, one of the worst times of my life, I was out of work for six months one time. This is a long time ago, and uh, it was just it was really hard on me psychologically. I felt worthless. I felt like I wasn't doing anything. I, my friends on Sunday nights, they would be complaining about having to go to work the next day. And I, my heart was, I wish I had a job I could complain about. I wish I had something I could put my hands to. You know, because I felt like I wasn't doing what I was put on this earth to do. And so, you know, God's put these things in me. And God's put it in women to, to, to build a home and to provide a place that children can be nurtured. All that's from the Lord. If we take those things away and say God's enough, we, we let ourselves astray. Because we don't really live that way. The truth is, we do pursue those things. I'll tell you one of the things that I've seen and I've watched with people over and over is every person is seeking a purpose. Every human being, there's this thing in them that drives them for purpose. And so that, that's a lot of decisions we make with our life. A lot of things we do is behind us this desire for purpose, this desire to make a difference, this desire to feel like you're doing something, not just existing. Yeah, Are you following me? And, and that's something that God's also put in our hearts. Is he's put this thing in us to want to make a difference. He's put this thing in us to, to, to am I living a purposeful life? Am I doing anything with my life? Are y'all okay? See, all that to me is tied up in that question, what do you want? I think the question is in the Bible to ask, so we begin to really examine what we're looking for in life. You know, one of the worst things that, that I see with men, especially, I'm just going to throw this. may not have anything to do with this, but one of the worst things, I, and I see, I've, I have this tendency myself, is men tend to withdraw themselves yeah. and not tend to interact with like other men or others in other social groups. It's not healthy, guys. I'm going to tell you that now. It's, it's not healthy and it's not God when you give in to that. That's, that's a default position that's going to hurt you long term. You need other men speaking into your life. You need to interact with other men, other godly men. If you don't, it's, you're going to hinder your spiritual development. Because God, it can't just be you're going to get everything. Like I go to church, that's good enough. And am I talking to any guys in this room? I'm just telling you, that's, that's another thing I see with guys that they tend to they'll tend to wander off. Oh, I'm too busy. You know, I've got to provide. All that's true. And God knows all that's true. But I've, I've heard out of God's mouth that said those very same things, and I've watched them drift from God. I've watched them. And so at some point in our life, we have to make, you know, we have to be intentional about how we spend our time and who we spend our time with. 
Boy, y'all ain't really liking this. Y'all looking, looking a little, little sweaty there. Uh, why is he talking about this? Because it all has to do with what do you want. And if you really want, if you really want this person, if you really want this kingdom life, everything I just said to you is a part of this kingdom life. And there are practical things that you need to do to be able to adjust yourself and come into this kingdom life. Okay, well, I'm glad that was good. <laughs> and so the Lord asked him that question, and he said to them, Okay, come and see. Okay, and so he said, uh, they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I don't really know if that was the really what they were looking for. I don't believe it was. Like, what, what, what's your address? You know, so we can visit. But he said, come and see. And so for God, it was this mighty invitation to bring these men into something, to bring them in where he was living and begin to have this, it was a, it was a, a relational invitation. And so off the subject, if you really want to know how to reach people, okay, is because that word is used a few more times by other people in the gospel, John, that same phrase, come and see. Oh, we found the Messiah. Where's he from? Now, oh, nothing, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Well, come and see. In other words, this, this is, this is, I want to tell you this, this is really important. Okay? This is really important. You cannot have what you want. What do you want? You cannot have that ultimately in a right way, in a fulfilled way, until you <coughs> make these steps towards the Lord. Where you begin to have this experience with the Lord himself. Okay? That's, that's what he was saying. I'm going to bring you into something. I'm going, to share, I'm going to open my life up to you. Okay? For you to begin to partake of me. And that's when you're going to begin to have something happen to you. Listen, let me finish this. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. So, so they spent the rest of the day with the Lord. You know, having a conversation with him, and it, they were former followers of John the Baptist up until they did that. And once they did that, they became followers of Jesus and some of his main main disciples. Well, look at this. Um, I was thinking about the word "come and see," the phrase "come and see." There's this other phrase that kept coming into my mind from from the Old Testament, Psalm 34. Verse 8. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I was thinking about why taste and see? What verses come and see? Let, let me explain this because really I'm going to tell you something. The Gospel of John is really not just about coming and seeing. That's the first step. But really the Gospel of John is about tasting and seeing. And here's the difference. You know, you got your five senses hearing, smelling, seeing, touching. And all of those senses are basically external to us, right? They're not internal to us. They're, you know, what we see is there. I see Tim. Uh, if you say something, I hear you. Okay? But to taste something, to taste something, you've got to take it into you. Yeah. You, you put it in your mouth, and you chew it, and you taste it. And it's, it's a personal experience at that moment. It's, it's real personal. And see, that's what, what the Lord's trying to bring us into. It's, it's the thing that's going to make the difference in your life is when it becomes... See, you, somebody can... Hey, could you imagine if you, if you met a person who had never tasted pineapple before and you were trying to describe to them what pineapple tastes like? You couldn't do it. You could not describe to somebody who had no grid for what... The only thing you could do is tell them what? Taste and see you taste it, you see it. Because our palate is individual. And nobody can else tell you what your palate what your palate can only tell you. And so here's what Christianity is. Christianity is this. It starts out like this. Come and see. Okay? That's, that's the beginning of Christianity. But there's going to come a point in your life, in my life, all of our life, when it has to go beyond just coming and seeing something. Okay? We had to make that next step. I remember as a young believer, 
Are y'all following this? Yeah. I remember as a young believer, uh, I had this vision one day. I had visions when I didn't know anything about visions. I just believed that's the way it was supposed to be. But I had this vision, and I was looking at this uh, house, which looked more like a shack to me in the vision, because it was not well built. It looked junky. It was, it was messed up. It was like whoever built that house didn't know what they were doing. And as I was looking at it, trying to like, what does that mean? What in the world is that? What's that all about? As I was looking at it and thinking about it, a bulldozer appeared in the vision. And the bulldozer was going straight to the house. And I watched the bulldozer push the house down, all the way down to the foundation, and just, and it was just done. And that was the end of the vision. What I didn't realize at the time, that was my future. Okay? That was my future. Because God, the Holy Spirit, came to me not long after that like a bulldozer in my life. And everything that I thought I believed, everything I thought I knew, he plowed it down to the ground. He just pushed, he pushed the house down. Uh, it was a house that I built. It, it was my spiritual house. It was who I was as a believer. And and, and the Holy Spirit had mercy on me and tore it down for me. You've heard a lot recently, if you keep up with popular Christian culture, which I don't suggest you do, honestly. It's pretty disgusting. It, it's just the same thing that has always turned me off about Christianity. It's, it's just worse now. Uh, but, you know, people talk about their faith being deconstructed. Have you heard that? My faith was deconstructed. Well, that's not a bad thing. I think our faith needs to be destructive, deconstructed from time. But what we're hearing from certain Christian people who seem to be so more smarter than God, oh, my faith is being deconstructed, and they tend to forsake the Lord. Because there's issues and questions with, about God. And, they, and, and because God comes in and wrecks, allows their faith to be wrecked, they can't reconcile things, so they pull away from the Lord. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, you know, I think the Lord just had mercy on me. I would have probably done the same thing. I'm not throwing any shade on them, so to speak. But for me, that wasn't my response, you know, for what the Lord did in my life. For me, it was I'm, I need to know the Lord personally. Because what I, I realized by the wisdom of God is my relationship with the Lord at that time was more of that come and see thing. I had come to the Lord. I was watching God, what God was doing. I was a part of a wonderful church family and seeing how God worked in everybody else's life. But I didn't take the Lord in myself as far as experiencing Him, just me and Him. My relationship with the Lord was building everything else out here. It was building what everything else, everybody else was doing, what everybody else was saying. And I didn't have that proper communion with the Lord. And I think that's the plight of a lot of believers. Is we're carried by everything else. We're carried by popular Christian culture. We're carried by our great theologians. We're, our great Bible teachers. Our great pastors. Our great apostles. Our great people that we believe in and love. And those are the ones who have molded and shaped us. But we haven't really taken it in ourselves. And we haven't allowed the Lord himself to mold and shape us. Are y'all seeing the difference? And see, see, there is a time in your life as a believer when, when those people should be primary molders and shapers because you're like a baby that needs somebody to take and set you in your high chair or put you up on your mama's breast and make sure you're fed and taken care of. But there comes a time in all of our lives when God is going to take the mama's breast away. He's going to take the spoon away. And he's going to say, you're going to have to learn to eat. You're going to have to learn to partake of me yourself. And you're going to have to learn how to find me in those dark places yourself. You're going to have to find me in those great places yourself. That's tasting and seeing that the Lord's good. If you go back and read Psalm 34, the whole context of that whole psalm, David, this is when he wrote the psalm. It was when he was running from Saul and he went over to the, to the Philistine king of Bimelech and acted like a crazy man. Because <coughs> he was having he was, his only hope. It says he had spit in his beard. And they laughed at David. 
And they mocked him. Said he's no threat to us. He was acting. He was just acting it out. Because he was on the run. And that was the only place he had to go. Imagine King David. Imagine a guy like that. Having to do that. Having to go through such humiliation. And he wrote the song. Out of that experience. How God delivered him. And how God touched him. And how, how beautiful God was to him. Because it was, it was between him and God. He had tasted that God was good. He had tasted that God was good. And see, until we begin to taste that God's good ourselves, it's all just going to be a theory out there. And that's why I think of all these people who, you know, get in a mess with their faith, get their faith deconstructed, and God sends the bulldozer in their life, you know, and they don't respond well, and they get messed up. It's because they're not tasting the Lord himself. They haven't went to the Lord and began to taste of the Lord and then begin to find God themselves. And that's really, I think, the, the downfall of Christianity. Y'all got an awful quiet on me. <laughs> let, me uh, <laughs> let me read this verse to you. Taste and see that the Lord's good. John 6, 55 through 56. You know, this is the most infamous message that Jesus ever preached he preached this infamous, I'm saying infamous, it was people that were accusing him of being, uh, of, of promoting cannibalism. He said this in uh, John 55, he said, for my flesh, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He wasn't talking about just celebrating communion. He was talking about tasting him. He was going, see, see here's something we got to, it's awesome. That works for communion, right? It's beautiful for communion. But it's something more. He was trying to tell us something else. He was really, David had already caught this. He, David had already caught that Jesus' flesh was food. He had already caught that his blood was drink. That's why David was David. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's, that's why he became the person. That's why God used him so powerfully. Because he had caught that revelation. And he partook of the Lord. And that's what carried him all through all the ups and downs of his life. And at the end of his life, and the, he's the most mentioned Bible, the most mentioned person from the Old Testament in the New Testament. And the, the, the last thing we hear about David in the New Testament, Jesus says, I'm the root and offspring of David. He totally connected himself with this person. They were one. Are y'all following this? My, anyone who eats my... Jesus is saying, anyone... Can you imagine the listeners that day? Can you imagine hearing a person saying that and you're thinking, this guy's an idiot. Who's going to eat his flesh? They were doing it. And everybody was forsaking him. Eating his flesh and drinking his blood remains in me and I remain in him. Think about it. We hear this. We kind of get it. Well, we're talking. About, we're not talking about literally eating Jesus, but really, in a sense, we really are. But it's spiritual, and that's why I said that. Eat my uh, taste and see. That's the only way you can ever see that the Lord's good. Is for you to taste Him yourself. That's the only way. You can't. You can't taste Him through other people's experience. Somebody can tell you, oh man, that was the best steak ever. Really? I need to go there. But the only way you're going to know it's the best steak ever is you to go there and eat that steak. You can only go on a certain per a person's testimony so far. But listen to this. Are y'all all right? Yeah. Let me just give you this one here. John 151. Uh, this is back. This is what Jesus said to these people that had visited him. And then he was starting to gather a few more. Listen, before this is over, before this is over, you are going to what? See. You're going to see something. Taste. Come and see. Come leads to taste. It could. It could. It may not for you. But taste leads to seeing. You want to be able to really see? That's what he's saying. Before this whole thing there, before I'm done with this deal, you're going to see, you're going to see heaven's open. You're going to see heaven open. And, you're going, and God's angels descending to the Son of Man and ascending again. Before this thing's over. That's what he's saying. You're going to see this. And you know what that word, uh, before this thing is over, you, that word you is plural. It's not you, you, Marlon. It's y'all. 
if he was a son, before the thing, y'all don't see something. That's what he did. Y'all, he was talking y'all all the way down to generations. To now, today, to our children, to our babies. Y'all don't see something. Before this thing comes, y'all are going to start seeing something. And of course, he was alluding to, you know, in Genesis 28, Jacob's ladder. When Jacob had that dream, he said, this is none of the gate of heaven. And God spoke over the gate. And then when he was baptized, God did speak over that into the earth. And so that's really where, where the Lord wants to bring all of us. He wants to bring us into this place where we, we begin to see something different than what we're seeing with our natural eyes. He wants, he wants to bring us into this place where we're not just where we're seeing ourselves. We're seeing our situation. We're seeing other people. We're seeing the events of the world. And we're seeing God completely different. And, and, and I think I've said this a lot of times. Until you see God different, until you... It, it's going to, well, let me say it like this. The way you see God affects everything. It affects how you see the person next to you. It affects how you treat that person. Right, guys? Good godly man, your wife does some irritation. You want to, like, scream at her, but you realize, I don't please the Lord. I know he don't like that. I've seen that frown on his face when I did it before. And I've seen her scowl. <laughs> but you do it because... You don't want to dishonor the Lord first and you don't want to dishonor your spouse. See, that, that's a change. That, that make a difference in your life. And I promise you it'll make a difference in my life. <laughs> One day I yelled at Becky. I was out in the yard doing something. She was walking and she stopped by the house and said something to me. I saw I yelled at her because it made me mad at what she said to me. She got mad. I saw her walking towards me. Like coming off the road to get me. That's why I took off going the other way. It didn't work though. Later she came down on me. It took all day. I mean, all day. That's the way it goes. It takes all day. And I, you know, this I'm just gonna tell you this little secret up back here. You can say this to her, honey. I'm so sorry I spoke short to you. Okay, you're forgiven, but we still need to talk about it. Like, Why? I don't want to talk about it. I'm I told you I was sorry. Do we have to talk about it? Please, let's don't talk about it, Becky. No, I'm going to talk about it, doggone it. And if you were really sorry, you would talk about it. It's like she just twist you into this corner. That's Becky, man. I'm sorry about that, Becky. <laughs> Like for me, if, if I'm doing like working, physical work, and I'm really tired, I, I just don't want nobody messing with me. Don't be messing with me. Don't be saying a bunch of stuff to me. I kind of have a shortness on me, and it's always, she's dusting it. <laughs> she's always, this is the truth about me, it's always when I'm, in, I'm just tired and worn, I don't want to hear nothing, and she says something, and I'm in a weak moment. I'm not thinking about Jesus. In fact, at that moment, I don't want to think about nobody. I'm just going to get done. And then she does that. It's like the devil somehow is messing with her. I'm not saying she's the devil. I'm just saying somehow the devil knows when you're weak. And he knows when to go after you and let people say stuff. Okay. This was church. One more scripture to you is, is to carry you this because this this whole thing about tasting the Lord has has really been like a a continual story in my life. Uh, this is John three verse three. It says he's, Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus, who you know was a very powerful Pharisee and a real hunger for hunger. He had a hunger for God. He was he was a seeker of the Lord, and so. You know, and he wound up being, according to church history, a major guy. I mean, he, he found the Lord. But he had this, he came, the Bible says he came to Jesus at night. In other words, he was having to do it undercover because he knew he would be in trouble as a Pharisee talking to this guy, Jesus, who the Pharisees were wanting to kill. And he didn't want to ruin his reputation at time. And so he has this conversation with Jesus. But Jesus says something very powerful to him. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, listen to this. Unless you're born again... You cannot what? 
see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you can't see. In other words, unless you take me into you, unless you partake of me, you will not be able to see the kingdom of God. You make, you can be, I believe this, I believe you can be born again and see certain things, but I believe there's more. Okay? I believe, I know there's more. I know there's more when we begin to really partake of the Lord. Okay? When we really begin, we can be, we can begin to see things and know things in the spirit realm. Paul said that. Seeing the invisible, I'm not disheartened. Said that in 1 Corinthians 4. I'm not disheartened because I see something everybody else is not seeing. I'm living from a place nobody else is living from. Or not many people. And so this is what happened. I wanted to tell you this little story. This, I think I've probably told you all this before. But I'm sorry I only have one history. <laughs> and I can't, I can't make up a new history. But one day I was reading this. Okay. Reading John 3. I was at the beach. We were staying on one of those intercoastal houses at the Ocean Ocean Isle. You know, they had them docks back there that float. So I went out there one morning real early. I wanted to go out there and pray and read the Bible and talk to the Lord. So I was out there, you know, and that dock's nice because it moves with the, with the tide. You know, you can feel the movement. I was reading it and I read that verse and it's like it just like... It was like God slammed the brakes on me at that moment. You know, I was just going to go on to the next verse. It's like that verse, I couldn't go on. I just knew that God was wanting to say something to me through this verse. And he asked me a question. This is what, he, this is what I heard the Holy Spirit as clear as day inside of me say, you don't really see, do you, Byron? That's what he said to me. You don't really see, do you? And I said, Lord, I really don't. And this is what he said to me. I'm going to teach you how to see. I'm going to teach you how to see. That was a, a word from the Lord that day. That was so powerful to me. I was so ex- I was just like, wow. Because you know what had been happening in my life for months prior to that? I had been praying and asking God for a revelation about the kingdom of God. Because in my heart, I knew, I understood the kingdom of my head, but I knew I didn't understand it in my heart. Because... It, nothing was changing. There was really no impact. There was nothing that was transformed. There was nothing in me about it other than I knew it wasn't there. I just, you know, I could, def- I could define what the kingdom is. I could do all that stuff, but none of it was helping me. And so, so I knew that I knew at that moment God was beginning to answer my prayer to give me revelation about the kingdom of God. So this is amazing. Within 30 minutes, I get this phone call from a friend of mine. Okay, so he calls me. Usually on the, on the beach, I look down like, hey, I thought, uh, if he leaves me a message, I'll call him back. If he don't, he don't want nothing but chit-chatting, and I don't want chit-chatting. <laughs> but I said, I don't answer this. And I'm glad I did. And he said, hey, Byron, listen to this. Next week, I'm going to a meeting at Bob Jones's house. Do you want to come with me? I said, yeah, okay. I'll see you next week. I'll see you. So I go to this meeting next week at Bob Jones's house. I said, I want to talk to y'all about this. This is hilarious. So I go to this meeting. Okay, it's a home meeting. And all these prophet people were in there. You know, Larry Randolph was there. There's a bunch of people in there. So I'm sitting in there. I was not really feeling comfortable in that room. I'll be honest with you. I'm thinking, what am I doing in here? You know, Lord help. You know, you know how you feel when you feel self-conscious? You feel like everybody in the room's looking at you. Nobody's looking at you. But you feel that way. Like everybody's looking at you. Like, I need to act. Well, how are they sitting? I'm going to try to sit that way. Not there. I'm going to try to. You know what I'm saying? You just feel uncomfortable. You don't feel like yourself. You feel like you don't belong. It's a terrible feeling. So I was sitting there just squirming. And the way his meeting went was uh, he would share some things that the Lord was showing. That's what I did. He would share some of his revelations. It was like, Wow. You know, that was good because it was distracting to me from myself. <laughs> then he would say, well, has anybody else, has the Lord been showing anybody, anybody else? Everybody in the room, boom, boom. Uh, one by one, randomly, people would share stuff. And it was awesome. So by that point, I was real comfortable having a good time hearing all these spiritual amazing things from all these spiritually amazing people. And there was only one person who hadn't said a word in there. 
and it was me. And I had my plan was, I'm not saying nothing. Because if I open my mouth, they're going to know how bad I am and how stupid I am. You know, I don't belong here as well. And doggone it. Bob looked around. Anybody else? Then he looked at me straight now. What about you? <laughs> no. What about me? I'm thinking, you know, real fast. Like, has the Lord showed me anything? Uh, uh, no. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, my wife, <laughs> I'm Becky's husband, my wife had a dream, Bob, and this was a dream. Can you tell me what it means? He said, I don't even remember it. He said, oh, yeah, that's Psalm so-and-so. And then he went on to explain it, and I opened the psalm, and sure enough, the psalm was her dream. And I'm thinking, how can anybody know such a thing? How can anybody know? You know, you yeah. It just have to be God to know something. Some random psalm was this random. Well, what I want to tell you, though, is God gave me somebody as a mentor, as a spiritual father figure in my life from that point on. For some reason, he liked me. It was God. But he, for some reason, he probably felt sorry for me. This guy's in bad shape. He's a pastor. He needs some help. Uh, he needs, you know, some, some discipleship. I'm going to do it for the poor guy. Um, but here, here's the point. God gave me somebody who themselves was experiencing the kingdom of God. Okay? Not just somebody who could talk about it or read Bible or he, was, he put a person in my life who had taken the kingdom, who had taken the Lord and ate the Lord. And was experiencing the Lord in that way. And you see, he couldn't teach me how to see. Nobody can teach you how to see. They can tell you hints. They can tell you things. They can make you aware of things. I used to love to sit and come to meetings and sit next to them. Did you feel that? No, I didn't feel that. You're not paying attention, Byron. First time I ever came to the church, he said, you're missing so much more than you're getting. <laughs> he said it to him. I'm like, well, I think that's good. There's potential here. I've got potential. Because I'm missing a bunch, so there's potentially I could hear some more things. But what he did, because he tasted and see, he began to help me just tap into what he was tasting and seeing. Every time I'd be around him, I would have some kind of like vision or some dream. So I, I got to be around him for years. Every week, every month, we'd go to his house. For years. And go to meetings with him and sit with him. It was amazing. It really was. But guess what happened? He died. You know, he died. And it's the same thing. Same thing. With what happened to me when the Lord brought that bulldozer into my life. So at this time, he didn't bring a bulldozer. But there comes a point where it's like, you've tasted and seen through this guy. He's helped you. You need to taste and see between me and you. You know, you need to learn how to do it yourself. You need not to be dependent on somebody like that because everybody's dying. You hear what I'm saying to you? You know, in the, Bible, the Bible says this in Hosea 3, 5. It's, this is talking about the last days. It says there's going to be a revelation. This is Hosea 3, 5. A revelation of the fear of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord is going to come into the earth. The fear of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. You know, and I feel like the, the, the revelation of the goodness of the Lord is being released. I feel like it's been, been released for a few years now. More and more. And the only but the only way, see, if all you're doing is sitting back and watching it, if if you're not really tapping into it, it's just gonna be something somebody else has. It's not gonna ever become your reality that God is really good. You could say it with your mouth, but if you don't really know that because you've experienced his goodness and you've you've ate him, you've partaken of him, you've that and you and then you begin to see all around you. See, that's what he wants you to see more than anything else, okay? It's not, listen, it's not just having visions of angels or, or, or that kind of thing. He wants you to be able to see his goodness around you. Do, are y'all hearing what I mean? In every situation in your life, God wants us, but if you haven't partaken of him, 
you're going to miss the goodness. You're not going to really be able to see it. You're really not. It's going to pass you by. It's going to happen, but you're not going to really see it because you really haven't had that thing with Jesus. Are you looking at y'all just looking blankly at me? I mean, just flat blankly. Of course, maybe I'm talking so bad like I was in the other one. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, see, I think that's really what one of the things that the Gospel of John is really all about is to teach people how to see, to see the goodness of the Lord, to see who He really is, and to see that He's a good God. I don't think we can stand this revelation of the fear of the Lord that's going to come unless we have a revelation of the goodness of the Lord. I think we won't bear to bear it. We will be like those, like, where's the door? Because we'll be so afraid. But if we have a revelation that God really is good, okay, we have that revelation where when that fear thing comes, we'll be fine. We're like, well, I'm scared. I promise you, you're going to be really scared. When the fear of the Lord comes, it's going to shake you up. There's going to be this awe that's going to come. You know, and I believe that awe is coming to the church. You know, I really do. But I believe it's going to come to a church that's really been soaked in this goodness. Yeah. You know, yeah. where we can stand that, you know, that kind of power that's going to come. Because the fear of the Lord is a, a very powerful thing. I'm looking for the fear of the Lord to come in my life. Uh, one time I had this vision. Well, I don't know what it was, honestly. I want to tell you just one thing about fear, okay? I'm talking about godly fear. The fear of the Lord. You know, and, and Ezekiel and Daniel, both, if you read those books, they have, both of these people were very visionary. They saw things, they had dreams, they, they saw amazing things. They saw this person that they called the man in linen. That's how they described this man. And it was some kind of spiritual person, okay? Uh, and, and I promise you, Daniel and Ezekiel both, they record how shocked and how afraid they were when they had these encounters. Okay? I mean, it should, Ezekiel, it made him sick for days. He got physically sick because this supernatural thing happening was so powerful, his human body just couldn't take it. You know what I'm saying? And I believe God's going to bring things like that to people. But one time I had this, I saw for a moment in time, I saw that linen man. Okay? Just like that. Just like a flash. And I'm going to tell you something. I was, I felt like my heart was about to explode out of my, it went up into my, that's the way it felt. I went, my heart was going a thousand miles an hour. It scared me so bad. I mean, all the energy in my body went out of me. Literally. I could, I could, my knees were buckling. And it was just in a moment. It scared me so bad. And so I believe the Lord, that's what the supernatural, what I want you to see is, is there's a supernatural world that is frightening. And I believe that God wants to bring the church into that world. I believe he wants to bring the fear of the Lord to us. But I believe if we have that and we don't really understand his goodness, it has the potential of messing us up. Amen? I just want to throw that in. But what I want to do is invite people in to taste and see. Okay, wherever you're at. If, if you're in your life right now, and I know we all come to places where it feels like the Lord's not good. Right? Anybody have that experience besides me? Lord, this is your goodness, Lord. You ever heard the Lord speak to you about something, give you these mighty promises, and then all hell breaks loose on you, and you think, this is, this is, the Lord gave me this word, one, gave us this word, the best is in front of you, and everything fell apart. I'm thinking, this is our best, Lord? I mean, what the heck is this? There's just times in our life where we're not going to feel like the Lord is good. And we're going to have questions about the goodness of the Lord. And we're going to question Him. But I think in those times, it's really the time to go back to Him and begin to taste Him again. And taste Him on a new level and a different level. And that's really what I want to just pray over you if you're interested in that. If you have something you're looking for in your life, that's what the Lord wants to say to you. Come and see. Come and see if you want a taste of me. Come and see if you want to go further than where you're at right now. Come and see. Decide. Do you want to go further than where you are now spiritually? The Lord's inviting you. Come and, let's come and see. We'll see. And if you really want to go further, you're gonna, you can go further. 
I will give you myself in a way that I've never given you myself to you before. Amen? Yeah. If you want that, stand up and I'll pray for you right quick. And then we're going to pray for Maya, right? Maya is going to Israel. She's going with Judy and Jerry, and they need a lot of prayer, Judy and Jerry. They were going to be here this morning, but, you know, they had a rough situation with one of their grandsons. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you know that there's anything that will eat you alive as your children or your grandchildren. Anything that will break your heart. Maybe you had this heartbreak over, over their, um, Judy's, Jerry's grandson, Josiah. I mean, just absolute heartbreak. I don't think Judy would mind me saying, Will she? Am I going to say it? You know, they were going to take him up to Boone to a, a Hebron colony, which is a place for people who have issues addictions and help they really affect the ministry well and he wouldn't at the last minute he would they took him under he wouldn't stay and they went out had to take him home which meant he went to jail he's, he's got severe problems and so but she said she's ready to go she's taking off this week wednesday yeah so i think a lot of you know how crushing something like that can be so they need a lot of prayer so when we pray for maya let's make sure we lift them up um, to the Lord. So Lord, we just thank you this morning that you're a come and see God. Lord, you're not just a theological God. You're not just a, you're not just a God who says, why don't you just read the Bible and you'll be, oh, why don't you just go to church? Or why don't you just give? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? No, you don't do that, Lord. You, you invite people into yourself. And you give them an opportunity to partake of you. And, Lord, that's really what we want, Lord. We want to partake of you, Lord. And I know probably everybody in this room has partaken of you to some level. But if there's anybody who hasn't, Lord, I just pray today that they would know you like they've never known you. And I pray that we all could, you know, come to the place of partaking of you, Lord. That we would really come to the place where we would taste you and see that you're good, that that would become our reality, our personal reality. And I pray that we're here to help other people come and find you so they can taste you and see what you've done, Lord. So I just pray for everybody in this room right now, Holy Spirit, that you begin to touch people in the deepest part of their hearts, Lord. You put that hunger in us taste you. You put that hunger in us to answer that question, what do you want? And we begin to find the things. I just believe there's people in this room, it's like you, you lost your purpose. You feel like you've lost your purpose. You really haven't. God's given you a greater purpose. And I just pray, Father, today for a greater purpose. Let's just Wait a second here, too. Because here's what I saw just then. I saw the Lord take a bow, an arrow, and begin to shoot those arrows. You know, the Bible tells us, really, that we're the arrows. That's what it really says. Isaiah 49. We're the arrows. And that God really wants to launch us. And so, Father, I just believe that you're going to launch some people. They're going to be like an arrow that's been polished and well hidden for years. And you're going to pull them out of that thing and you're going to shoot them out there. Just launch your people, Lord. Lord, let us hit the target. Lord. Let us hit the target that you called us to hit lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us also to honor each other and not dishonor other people's callings and other people's purpose. Lord, if we could begin to see the beauty in it and the diversity that you've given us. Lord, thank you, Lord. Ms. Maya, won't you come on up here and let's pray for Maya. Why don't uh, Israel why don't people come up and lay hands on him, especially the Israel people in this room. Let's come out here and release the anointing. 
Jeremiah to go. And we're going to also bring up the ministry team. I'm telling you what, that invitation today is real. Jesus himself is giving you an invitation this morning to come and see and taste and see. It's for real. There's people in this room who are never going to be the same again. Because once you taste and see of Jesus, you can never go back. If there's things in your life, if you if you would still like prayer for physical healing or anything else in your life, we've got people on our ministry team. Come on up. But I, I just really want to encourage you to take that invitation very seriously from the Lord today. He's calling you in and inviting you into something. We're going to end the meeting. If you have kids, don't forget to go get them. And have a great rest of your day.